Okay, Mario. Every time I see, every time I see. I was just going to say, you you take the intro there, Mario. You introduce the show. Uh, yeah, welcome to Cheap Heat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, last week um, was a very interesting show. It, it, I'm still thrilled to have Randy Hogan here. Um, you know, we talked about a lot of things and being in the same position. Uh, on the opposite side of the spectrum and the experiences that we had. But one thing I thought about today, which as I was taking bumps in the ring, Randy, we don't have to mention any names. Um, as I was taking bumps in the ring, doing jobs, saying to myself, I got to do a job and I work, I'm, I'm a better worker than this guy. I'm, I'm a better technical wrestler than he is. How many times have that happened? Has that happened to you? More than I can remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is is I that the point? Not to mention any names, right? But one in particular who was who was a pretty boy, and he had me up in the rack, and I was thinking that same thing. Let me see. He posed. He smiled, he put me in the rack, and that was it. Does his, name be, does his name begin with L? Oh, gee, it might. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it, it just, it, it, it always, uh, you know, boggled my mind, you know, the way the business was. And, and Maurice, I think one of the things that maurice enjoys is is my the way i'm candid and the way i'm honest there were there were three ways to make it as a star in the wwf back in back in the 80s um I, I, certainly randy i'm not going to put you on a spot with this but i'm i'm going to be honest about it number one yeah you, you had to be bloodborne and you know what? i take nothing away from those doors that are open to them because it's, it's their birthright. My, my dad worked in a bearing factory for 43 years. I guess if I went to that bearing factory in Stanford, Connecticut and said, Hey, I'm, I'm Ralph and Zateri's son. Oh, wow. Well, Ralph worked for us for 43 years. Come on in. We'll take you for right. Same everywhere else. Right. But he, wasn't a, he wasn't a professional wrestler. Right. So, so I take nothing away from them. That that's wrestling royalty, especially when it comes to the, the Samoan dynasty, I mean, I genuflect, you know, when it comes to the Samoan dynasty, I mean, they, they have every right in the world. Um, you know, guys like Ted DiBiase, who's, whose dad was a wrestler and Larry, the ax Henning down the curd Henning. And, you know, I, I wouldn't take anything away from any of these people. That's their right. That's their right. The second way to get in was to be a freak. And like I, I like I always say, you know, if you get off an airplane and you get 50 people to go, holy jeez, who the hell is that? 
well, you got something there. But when I got off the airplane, they go, is that Uncle Phil over there? And they go, no, it just looks like Uncle Phil. You know, I, I didn't. So I didn't stand out in the crowd. And number three, I was a heterosexual. And, and, and again, I'll say for people whose prep, that's their preference. That that's their preference. It's not mine. Um, so, uh, I just kept losing, but if you gave into that, you had a pretty good shot of getting a push in the front and the back. So, um, <laughs> so to speak, so, you know, those, those were the three ways that you could really, really get in good. Uh, other than that. And I didn't feel this way after 1988, I really felt all the way in, but it took me four years, even though you're in, you still feel like you're out. You ever get that feeling? Yes. Yes. All the time. My way of feeling I was in when, when they called me by my by my name. Hi, Randy. Come here, Randy. Something, Randy. That I felt. And to me, that was validation. That's all I needed. Um, to expound on what you were saying, you know, as far as a birthright, they, they still, there gets a point where they have to prove themselves. You know, they get that initial push, they get in the door, but then, okay, it's time to pay off. And there's a lot of them we know that it never really did. One young I, kid out there right now that just ain't doing it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember um, I remember when I was 17 and I was told, telling Tony Altamar, you know, uh, my, my dreams about coming to the ring, you know, my ring entrance and everything. And uh, like I said, he talked just like Mickey. He didn't look a thing like him, though. And he'd go, hey, kid, he'd go, you can wear a robe of diamonds and come in with six girls and have fireworks going and have a whole parade band playing for you. Just remember one thing. When the bell rings, you better know how to work. So, it, you know, that that that's what you're you, you're saying it didn't pan out for some of them uh, listen I, I compare it i got really excited because um my baseball hero is all over my wall here um because i was you know back in i saw him back in 1974 when i was eight years old and unfortunately i only got to he only got to be my hero for five years he died in a plane crash and, and that was thurman munson who was a catcher for the new york yankees mm -hmm. And I got excited. It must have been, I don't know, 20 years ago when I heard Michael Munson had signed a single-A contract with the New York Yankees, his son. And I'm like, oh, he never got out of single-A. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I have three daughters, and I thank God that not, not one of them ever looked at me and said, I'm, I'm thinking about being a, a female wrestler because, you know, it, it, I don't have the over door. I have the jobber door. So, you know what I mean? And I'm not going to sit there and watch my kid get get what I got. I'm not doing that. So mm -hmm. yeah. kind of glad that never came up. <laughs> my, my kids had no interest whatsoever in wrestling. Yeah. You know, so it's just – I think it's, it's part of it. And I think sons probably – 
are more involved in it than daughters for the most part. Right. Right. Would you so, would your kids would your kids guys ever want to watch some of your old stuff together? Or would they have an interest in it? Oh yeah, my kids always you know the the funniest part I find doesn't happen often, so I don't want to make it sound like it happens all the time because it doesn't. Every yeah. now and then you get a real wrestling head, you know. And I think it was one of the um, supervisors at the airport. Um, my daughter was working at, and and she, he was talking about wrestling, and he was like in his mid to late forties, and she goes, "Oh, oh, you like wrestling?" She, he said, "Yeah." I go, she goes, "How long have you been watching it?" He goes, "Oh, ever since I can remember." And he goes, she goes, well, my, my father's Mario Mancini. And he goes, yeah, okay. She goes, no, no, that's my dad. And he's like, yeah, 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 okay. And then she went through her phone and said, here's here's my dad. And he's like, oh, my God. He is <laughs> you know, I get a kick out of that. That I get a big kick out of. But, um, you know, like I said, that doesn't happen often because kids these days – you know, the you know, I look at them and go, remember Leap and Lanny Poffo? And they go, who? Yeah. And I'm like, what? Iron Mike Sharp? Like, what? You, who? You know, so they don't really remember um, unless they go back and, and, and look, you know, uh, they're not going to. Uh, A few questions here for you guys. I see. I'm, 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 I got to think of an answer for this because um, I didn't get many ribs pulled on me that I know of anyway. Now, they may have done it and laughed behind my back or something. But, uh, oh, gosh. I'll come back to that. Mario, I'm sure you've got something. I went out to the ring to work. And... Um, it was in a college. So, you know, we had benches in front of lockers, you know. So I just put my stuff in the locker. You don't know what you're going to get for a dressing room sometimes. So, I, you know, I, I didn't have a padlock with me or anything like that, you know. So I just put my clothes in the locker, you know, got dressed, did my thing, went out there. And I came back and, and I grabbed the towel out of my bag. I hit the shower, came back, went to get dressed, grabbed my pants. And there were padlocks around each loop of my pants. And um, that was Fuji, Mr. Fuji, Harry, Papasan, put padlocks around each loop of my pants. And I had to tear every loop um, so I couldn't wear my belt in order to put my pants on. I had to get the padlocks off. Right? So um, the only thing is, is, you know, just like with the British Bulldogs, when Fuji rib you, you just took it. There's nothing you can do because Fuji will slice you in a million pieces. If you got mm -hmm. hot, if it was a shoot and you got hot at him, forget it. So you just kind of laughed it off and, you know, walked around pulling your pants up all night because you can't put a belt on because of the padlock. See, I miss uh, so many of these things. I wish these things would have happened to me. Well, one thing he used to do, if he, if he didn't like it, he would shit in your bag while you're out there. You come back, open up your bag, and you oh. Fuji shit in a few people's bags. So, yeah. Supposedly, um, Randy Orton inherited that as well. Uh, it, it, oh, boy. So, um, yeah, there were some other ribs that, that uh, 
they're not appropriate for the show. So that's that's a that's a clean funny rib that was done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're not so, appropriate. You've yeah. said some uh, some strange things on this show before. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll save it for another time. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. It's ten. It's ten o'clock. It's ten o'clock over here now. We're past the well, watershed I, here. Well, cool. For, for 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 example, for example, if you think you're in a uh, a romantic moment with um, somebody that caught your eye that night at the show, and you're in a romantic moment, but yet you're still uh rooming with the boys um <laughs> and a, and you're right in the middle of your romantic moment and and um your your friends come and sit on the other bed and just go and during your romantic moment you go uh do you mind and one of the guys goes is it me or does me and see you look like fred flintstone on top of her and all of a sudden, you just laugh, start laughing so hard, you lose the romance, and you just kind of sit up and start laughing your ass off, and you know what I mean. The moment so, is gone. The mo, yeah, the mo, you know, as you know, uh, last week about the meaning, the name of power. It was a great. Show. You can catch Mario now on the Hannibal TV. It's the biggest wrestling podcast channel on youtube so he's downgrading here for tonight he's down he's downgrading here for tonight to be with me again yeah thanks to maurice we must get you on there too randy that'd be cool when, when it came to the office um who 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 were the lead guys who were the lead agents who were the lead guys there well, it changed as it went from Crockett to Turner and everything. Um, the main ones we reported to at the time, of course, was Jim Hurd, um, Bischoff had it for a while. Um, let me see. Hurd had it most all the time I was there. And of course, Dusty was was always had always had his hands in everything somehow. Um, of course, down here um, it was uh, Eddie, and then of course Mike Graham and Steve Kern. They pretty much took care of the Florida territory down here. But basically, I would say it would have been uh, Bischoff when he came to the peak of his power. And uh, and Jim Hurd, uh, Ted Turner owned it, but it's not like Vince McMahon. I mean, Vince McMahon's a wrestling guy. I mean, Ted, you ever see Ted at never. all? I mean, never. Right. Never at a show. Never at a taping. Right. And he was right there because we used to tape at one time at the right at the CNN Studios downtown Atlanta, and I'm sure Ted's offices were right upstairs, but. Never, never, saw him, never heard of him. No, nothing. Never. No. Jim Hurd, you'd see all the time. Of course, Bischoff was there, um, in and out. Um, I'm trying to think who else, but um, those are the main guys. That I yeah, yeah. So we we of course there was Vince, and there was Grill Monsoon, and there was Chief J Strongbow, 
um, Arnold Skolin, Pat Patterson, Terry Garvin, um, Jack Lonza became an agent. Um, Rene Goulet would, would do half and half. He would be an agent and he would, he would work. Same thing with George Steele. He would be an agent. He would work. So those, those were the, the, the main guys there at, at, at that time. Um, all wrestling guys. Oh yeah, all of them. All of them were were wrestling guys, and really gave a great education. I mean, they cared. I mean, they watched your match, and if they think there was something you can do to improve, they always took you to the side and said, "You know, tomorrow night, do it this way, or to you know, do it that way." Yes, yes. Now more more faces are coming to mind now. Grizzly Smith, he was always I, back there. I love Grizzly. He was. I love him. Man. Treat, you know? Yeah. I just remember him being about 10 feet tall. He yeah. was a big man. Yeah. But uh, him, uh, Kevin Sullivan. Um, yeah, Kevin's a great guy. Blackjack Mulligan. Yeah. He was doing some stuff for a while. So. Yeah, I mean, th those are th those are great guys. I, I, I had Mulligan when he was when he was in there, too. I, I'm trying to think if I worked with him in some sort of six-man tag team or something. Yeah. Um, but it, it's it's funny how how they they interchange, you know what I mean. Um, so, how was it if you were you were there? How was it when guys came over from the WWF there? As far as how the how the other over guys went, I'm not sure. There was always a bit of apprehension. You know, even though they may have known the guy, may have crossed paths with him before, they weren't quite sure what his agenda was or, or exactly what plans they had for him. And and some of the guys other than us, you know, how, um, how they fit into the plans and stuff. So I would say apprehension a lot. Yeah, uh, I think a lot of them had to prove themselves because a lot of them would come over with an attitude. And That's all. Yeah, right off the bat, you know, and on other ones, you know, like uh, Ivan Koloff, everybody loved him. No matter if he was up in New York or if he was down in Atlanta, didn't matter. Everybody loved him. He flipped back and forth. Then he had some other guys that uh, nobody liked up north or down south. So right, right, right. I think. I think uh, I I I get questioned a lot by by uh, Big Daddy. Um, you know, it comes up every now and then because I got out in '92, um, three months before my 26th birthday. So, because I was there since wow. six weeks after my 18th birthday. So, think what, think what, of the amount think of the amount of uh, longevity you put on your body by leaving at that point. But, well, yeah, well, you don't see me get up in the morning, but, but that, yeah, but, but it but it could be way worse. It could have been worse, but big, big daddy always says, you know, Mancini, why didn't you hit the independent circuit? Why didn't you, you know, you could have made money. You would have been booked all over the place. Why didn't you hit the independent circuit? And I think Randy, it's because of, of what you just said. It's like, sometimes we get leased out to an independent company, usually like a, a me, um, Iron Mike Sharp, uh, you know, with Steve Lombardi, you know, we, we'd get uh, leased out there and we would come into the dressing room and you can feel 
the tension. Yeah. You know, you can feel you all, oh, you know, here they come, you know, the oh, here's the WWF guys, you know what I mean? And, yeah, yeah. So I always I always felt uncomfortable. And I think that's why I really never pursued that. Um to to do that because I always felt that, you know, well, here he is. You know, it, it's funny. I, I I did I did the Hannibal show and somebody made a comment that that said yeah there's mancini it was always a ham and agar you know and i'm like for the biggest company on the planet yeah for the biggest company on the planet you know so actually i'm on pro wrestling tees that it, it says yeah i'm a jobber for the biggest effing company on the planet. You know? so so um i think i think having those kind of feelings um kind of made me hesitate to go on the, the the independent circuit until i i worked with bundy in 99 um now did you ever meet bundy never never met chris oh never. my god what a guy that that was um that that was a hell of a, a human being right there um wayne ferris did you meet honky valentine yes. wayne is great guy yeah, Wayne's a great guy. I did a few shows with Valentine, independent things. In fact, yeah. yeah, one of my big claims, like in fact, I got a picture with him in the locker room, but uh, I got to run out and make the save. I saved Valentine. Ah, yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> Here comes Hogan to save Valentine. <laughs> no, he was no. there with uh, he was there with Medusa at the time. Yeah. Uh, have you ever thought about doing a Hollywood Hogan 2.0 from Ian there? Hollywood Hogan, huh? Well, I got my shirt on. My HWO shirt, which is Hogan's World Order, baby. Signature That's shirt. Uh -huh. That's good. That's good. That's good stuff. Available right on Facebook, Randy Hogan stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. That's good stuff right there, man. That's that's fantastic that is fantastic you know we said last show you know I've, we have hogan and i have crossed paths in that but just never came nose to nose or nothing i would have loved it i i would still i'd still freak out i don't know what i would do but you know it it you know it, it could happen it it definitely it definitely could happen hey i i i knock into him every now and then you know what I mean? we'll make so the call eminem yeah, I, actually, I used to have his phone. I used to have his phone number, <laughs> but um, after he and uh, Linda split up, I, it was gone. Um, but I was in contact as well with his people. I was in well, contact yeah, with his well, people a while ago. You never, you never Maybe know we... what what will happen with Scott Wilder. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm know. waiting for that one. <laughs> Now, well, well, did they give you a nice number, Maurice? The Hogan's people. They did never really, nice they, they never really gave a number as such, but uh, you could tell that that's the way it was going. They ran out of zeros, you know? right? Yeah, yeah. I'll just tell them next time. I'll just send them an email. Say Randy Hogan wants to do a show with you. He'll be there straight away. There you go. You gotta call the guy in here in his phone. Who is it? His name is Jimmy Hart. Oh, Jimmy! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Call the guy. <laughs> hey, have man, you got his? Have you have you got his number? I do. 
Call him right now. Call him right now. Call him. I don't know if he'll be there this weekend or not in North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, Jimmy. Hey, Mario, what's going on, baby? Um, but you know, that's his. That's his right hand man there, um, Jimmy Hart. But um, well, you know, Hogan does so many signings at his own places down here now. He's got the one in Orlando and the one over in Clearwater. And about once every two or three months, he'll have a signing over there, and it's like. $250 to get in the door and another couple hundred dollars for a signature. It's, it's pretty pricey. He's got to line up around the building. That Those are taker prices right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's what he was getting at uh, the big event, 250 Yeah. Yeah. I just that's, that's, I just can't get my head around that still. I just cannot get my mind around $250 well, for 10 seconds with somebody. Just can't get well, my head around well, it. I don't, I don't, yeah, I, you know, he, I guess. I guess the longer the, the older he gets, the more valuable it's going to get. Because I mean, look at Andre. I have a friend of mine trying to get Andre's autograph. Man, the thing's going for fourteen grand. Oh, you know what I mean. So it's it's you know if I knew that, I would have had him sign like you know thirty things in the dressing. <laughs> hey, boss, Mario, just think how much we're going to be worth one day. Oh, uh, oh, uh, yeah. I mean, right we're now we're going to start signing as soon as we hang up. I, I mean. I just got an offer um, from Canada to do 60 autographs. Um, I'm not really that good at math. I, I can I could round to the three dollars, but I it was 60 autographs for 200 bucks. So that's like I don't know 350. Of Pretty good, very good. good <laughs> I, I retail for 19.99 on eBay. There might be a Black Friday sale on that one. Though, you know? <laughs> And you get a Ginsu knife, you will cut through cans and then slice it to be yeah. if you call in the next 30 minutes, brother. So uh, let's talk about the injuries. Um, where do we start? Well, so, <laughs> well I want to know about yours. You mean in the ring injuries or things I'm dealing with still? Yeah, well, we're all we're we're still dealing with all of it, but whatever happened to you in the ring? The worst thing that happened to me was I cracked my clavicle. How'd you crack your clavicle? I was in fact I was doing TV against um, Rick Steiner, and and Steiner he wasn't always. Stiff, but he was always firm. Anyway, you know, he used to love doing them um, belly to back suplexes. And I had worked him quite a few times and I always landed on my head. You know, I tucked no matter what I did, I was on my head. So we were in, I think, Savannah. And he went behind me. I said, Here it comes. So I thought I would just turn a little bit, catch it more on the meat of my shoulders, you know, and turn too much and then it popped. I never been shocked, but it must feel just like that. So of course the ref I said her shoulder I said, take it home. And uh, so he said something to Steiner. So what does Steiner do? He shoots me in the rope and gives me a power slam. And then again it just ripped him more. So I walked around in one of these things, you know, for almost six months. Six months. Yeah. Long time, wow. long time to heal that. So that was uh, that was the only really bad thing in the ring. You know, I chipped teeth and 
and uh, I pulled my shoulder out a couple of times, um, popped a couple of fingers out of place in that, but luckily I was okay. Like I said, the damage that I did get in the ring, I didn't feel until about a year and a half ago. Now I feel every bump I ever took. Oh, yes. Never used to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. David Schultz broke my nose in two places in, oh. in Warwick, Rhode Island. It was my second match. It was my second professional match. And um, it was August 9th, 1984. And, and to this day, I never asked him. He probably doesn't remember. I don't know why he did it, but uh, I was making a comeback, and I was green, and um, he shot me to the buckle, and I moved, and he hit the buckle, and he spun around, and he went, all right, boy, your turn. And uh, I, I started, you know, giving it to him in the stomach and everything. And he goes, the face, boy, the face. So I wound up and I went to give him one in the face and for a right. And for some reason, he put his left forearm up. So my my arm kicked off his forearm and I punched him in the face. Oh. And he met, me with, he met me with a straight right. Boom. Boom. <laughs> wow. So I had to get that reset, and they they packed me up to my brain. Um, Do you think this, they were in the old days? They were a little bit rougher on us, like that. Well, well, sure. well, well. Yeah, I mean, a, I mean, a lot of receipts, as they call them, or whatever. You know, well, well, I don't think well, they do that much anymore. Well, well, well. That's the difference between wrestling then and and, and wrestling now, because you know. You still had guys coming out of the 70s coming into their own in the 80s, right? And they, but they were really they really started out in the 70s, right? So the guys who trained them were working back in the 40s and 50s. And like Strongbow told me one day, and because he was going like this to me. I go, what's up, Chief? What am I, Carol Burnett? What are you doing? You know, he goes, keep him that way, Mancini. I go, I'll try. You know, cauliflowered ears, you know. So he goes, you know, back in the late 50s, early 60s, guys that wanted to get into business, they would take two books and just sit there and just rub their ears every day with the books, every day, really? every day. So their ears would get cauliflowered. And they were green, but because they walked in the, the dressing room with cauliflowered ears, the guys thought they were veterans, and they didn't kick the shit out of them because they had the cauliflowered ears. Wow. Yeah, Strongbow told me that story, you know. Um, so it, yeah, I mean these these were these were tough guys. Listen, when when you worked with Terry Funk, you know, it, it's weird, Randy, because they hit you enough. To know you got hit, but it didn't hurt you. But you know you got hit. It's kind of like Brett was like snug when you worked with Brett. You knew, you know, you felt impacts, good impacts, but you didn't get hurt. But they were just what we call Randy smug. They're just a little smug. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So well, you know, Kevin Sullivan was that way. <laughs> yeah. Little Kevin, you know, the same way. Um and then you had guys like Barry Windham. Again, you had to watch him to be sure that he actually swung at you. 
you didn't feel a thing. I mean, you might feel some air going through, you know? And I mean, I, I watch guys, a good friend of mine down here, Bob Cook, um, who's known for supposedly throwing the best punch while everybody breaks down. But uh, that's another art, learning how to punch, you know? Yeah, yeah. I always um, tell the students in my wrestling school that my trainer made us put up mirrors, six-inch mirrors with with uh, uh, clothespins to learn to learn how to punch, you know? We, you didn't break the mirror, then, you know, you, you're, you're getting there, you know what I mean? But Tito Santana actually taught me how to punch. It was kind of unfair because while I was watching him, I said, what are you, double-jointed in your wrist? Because he was able to just snap, snap that thing, man. He would just snap it. He'd go full force, and then at the very end, he, he would just snap that. You know, it was he threw an incredible punch, Tito. Um, so, I, I, you know, I was I was very fortunate to be with, uh, with, with the guys I was with, but – the Iron Sheik herniated a disc in uh, in my neck oh. on a back suplex. He tipped my he was tipping my ass too much, so he goes headlock. So I snatched the headlock. I knew what he was doing because he's the master of the suplex, right? I go here comes a back suplex. So he picks me up, and Maurice that 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 motion is a straight bump back, straight bump while you're up. He yeah. I'm going I'm going down, and he's going. I'm going sheik, 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 sheik. <laughs> There's only so so much you could tuck your chin before you you hit you the back of your neck and hyperextend it. I was in a neck brace for six weeks. Oh, Jesus. So it was kind of – that sucked. I separated my shoulders 11 times. 11 times I separated my shoulders. And did they pop them right back in the ring? Oh, yeah. Hurt. No, listen – I need an entire left shoulder replacement. I went to the orthopedic. The orthopedic doctor came out after looking at my shoulder and he said, Hey, you want to wrestle? And I said, What do you mean? You don't want to wrestle me. He goes, Why? I'll win. I go, like everybody else. Why do you say that? He goes, because you got the left shoulder of an 80-year-old man. He goes, There's nothing left in there. Nothing. Wow. He goes, everything's just got eaten up. He goes, You need a whole replacement. And I'm like, Yeah, I'm not doing that. So even when I go on, if I go on the pec deck for my left shoulder, you're click, 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 because there's there's no more tendon or meat. It's just bone on bone. Oh, man. So, yeah. So it's, it's you know, why? Why do we do it? Why do these why do these people do it? Why is it done? You know, and, you know when you come down and think of it is because you wanted to be entertaining. So those people that saw us 30 years ago, you know, with their, their hot dogs and popcorn in their, in their lap. And, you know, we, we did it. We did it for them. We did it because we wanted to entertain them. Don't get me wrong. We wanted to see if we could get a break. We want to see if we could make a living, you know what I mean? Oh, but, yes. but we did it. We did it for the love of it because there was there's something inside of us that gave us a certain charge of controlling 12,000, 15,000, 18,000 people because pro wrestling is not a, a team sport. 
So, uh, you know, they broke my balls when I worked Madison Square Garden. They said, just remember, don't worry about nothing. Only 44,000 eyeballs are going to be watching it because the seats are 42,000 people. So, like, 44,000 eyeballs are going to be on you. And I'm like, oh, you mother, you know what I mean? It's not a team sport. So, when you go out there in your underwear, mm-hmm. basically, <laughs> You're going out there in your underwear, and you know you're you're out there to see if you can get a good pop. You know, you go back to the dressing room, and the agents got a smile on their face, and they shake your hand and go, "That was great, good job." You know, it gave you security. You know, um, I don't. Did know. you when you went as you went to the ring, and you notice there's really people out there, forty four thousand eyeballs looking at you kind of tightens you up a little bit. Did you, once you locked up, did all that go away? Yeah. Again, I just, you go from 10 down to a one, you know, I mean, it's like, there's nobody there. I, well, I tell you what, it's, it's so, what a coincidence that you said that because my gut feeling told me that when I, I rented my ring out to another organization Friday night, it was going to break. I don't know why I felt that way. I just felt like it was going to break. And you know what? It broke. Oh, It broke. So one of the side rails, the teeth that slides into the side rail, the two teeth, the bottom tooth had snapped off. So I had to get a welder on Saturday morning to weld it back on. And But the students were there. And we were talking. And we were talking about going out to the ring and – their first match and stuff like that. And, you know, I said, the funny thing is, is not that you forget whether you're a heel or a baby face to work the crowd, either get the heat up or have them cheering on a comeback. But no matter how many people you're working in front of, for me anyway, when that bell rang, really just blocked them out. Yes. I just, you know, just really, you just, you were focused on what you were doing in the ring. At the same time, when you made a comeback, you, you clapped your hands, you looked out, and it's it's almost like, um, you know, it's almost like uh, being on stage and the spotlight's on you, but the theater's so dark you can't see the crowd. You know you're playing to someone, but you just play to the building. You're not really yes. playing to anybody except that one guy with that one guy in St. Louis that took up three seats when I went out there and said, he goes, who are you losing to tonight, Mancini? And I looked back at him and the one man gang started walking out of the dressing room toward the ring. I go, do you want to, you want to wrestle him? You want to come in here and do this? Oh no. I said, then sit down, shut up and eat your hot dogs and enjoy the show. You know what I mean? So you really don't, um, you know, or 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 there was somebody extremely attractive in the in in the front row, on one of the sides of the ring, and one of the guys goes to throw you out, and you go, no, no, that not that side, the other side, <laughs> <laughs> and you're coming, you're climbing up the steel ring, the 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 guards on the on the outside, and you're as you're crawling up, you're looking at the girl in the face, and you're going red roof in room two and twenty four, you know. And it's like, <laughs> And you're praying to God, you hear. 
Well, we won't get into that. And kind of, um, Randy, but, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I've been doing a bit of research on this uh, Scott Colton stuff, and I know I kind of caught you off guard there last week. But I was doing a little bit of research, and I was asking several people, and I, like, if I look at the pictures, you actually do not look like him at all. No. And I don't know where the rumor has come from. Better. We need to find this guy. How do you think we could go about doing that? But the interesting thing about the name Scott Colton is, and I don't know if you know this, Mario, Cole Cabana's real name is Scott Colton. And he was in contact with Randy not so long ago because he tweeted out this this image um, that he put the question to Randy himself. And Randy said that, no, it wasn't me. Um, but I just thought it was interesting that Scott Colton and then now Cole Cabana, his real name is Scott Colton. So he was trying to get to the bottom of it as well, which I yeah. thought was very interesting. interesting wow. Yeah. Yeah, so how wow. do we how do how do we find this guy, Mario? I think you're, no you're going to be like the guy. Said, oh, yeah, I would I mean, be. I, I, you put it on me. I, I'm going to be been around you. forty years, yeah. and I never seen him or, or heard of him other than what I see, you know, on the net. So I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you one person that can find him right now. I'll tell you who can find him, okay. and that would be that would be the Guardian of Chaos, Big Daddy. Oh, of course, Big Daddy, we think? Oh, oh, listen, he will. He he'll find him. Okay, we'll leave. Would, we'll leave that, that to him. Fun. Yeah, yeah. You know, he'll Big Daddy. will find that guy in a minute. And and then what we'll do is we'll bring you and him together, Randy, to prove sure. once and for all that it's not you. That would be fun. Yeah, I mean, because I have never, I never ran with that. That oh yeah, I was him and I did that and I had to do this. It's easier to tell the truth because eventually it's going to catch up with you. You know, mm. they asked me about Hulk. You know, do you know him? Have you met him? Um, what would you do if you met him? Uh, how what does he think of you and all that stuff? I just always tell the truth. You know, Randy, we have to make this happen. I'll walk you over to Terry. I'll walk you right over. Yeah. I don't is he is know. he at the is he at the show? Will you pick me up after he knocks me down? No, no, no. Listen, I would tell before that. I'm gonna say, listen, brother, I'm, I'm bringing Randy Hogan over here. I think it'd be a good role. I think it'd be a good thing, man. I'm gonna bring him over. And is he'll he say, go ahead. Is he at the show that you guys are at this weekend? The big autograph so, no. convention? No, I don't no. think so. No. I don't know if Jimmy Hart will be there, but he's never. He they, they only booked the big stars for this weekend. No, uh, yeah, I, I, um, there's only room for one Hogan at these conventions. That's what yeah, I'm saying. <laughs> I, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a problem. I'd walk you right over to him, or I'd grab Jimmy and say, "Listen, this is what we're doing. Make sure you tell Terry." You know what I mean? Um, listen, here, here's the bottom line. This is the way I feel about it all right it's just like um it's just like uh match you know yeah. dead ringer man dead ringer i mean i showed roma roma's mouth dropped i mean for somebody who knew randy savage personally and worked with him about a half a dozen times and and was in the dressing room with him constantly i mean match has him down i mean he's incredible and, and, but, and, and Randy has passed away, mm-hmm. but I think like Randy Hogan, I don't think anybody, I don't think Terry should be angry because I don't think Randy cost him any money. You know what I mean? He didn't cost him any money. Did I tell you, uh, I don't know if I didn't, 
I, uh, a fan, made a graphic. It's, it's the old uh, Bash in the Beach background. It's got Hogan on there. It's got me next to him. And it says the match that never was, or the dream match that never was. And it's got Randy Hogan versus Hulk Hogan. <clears throat> so I said, well, that's pretty cool. You know, so maybe I'll make print some of these up and sell them or whatever else. I got contacted from uh, his people at Ron, whoever runs his stuff, a cease and desist for those pictures. No. Yep. Cease and desist. And like I might, I probably sold maybe a half a dozen of them, you know, but somebody got one, evidently took it over to him. Now, I don't know where does the difference <laughs> put, takes one over. I mean, he's paying for the autograph. What's the, I don't understand what the difference was, but so. What did he just want send you an email saying, get rid of these? Yeah. No, cease, yeah. A cease and desist is a journey. Yeah. Yeah. Either yeah. Um, anything of his likeness or in his image. So, yeah, I mean, like you're talking about, you know, it didn't cost him any money. No, no, and you're not, you're not taking any food, like we say in the wrestling business, Maurice. Not taking any food off his table. No, yeah, his table you know, is okay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're not taking it. Here's the problem, you know, in in. Well, Linda was very expensive. That divorce was very expensive. I mean, I, 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 sometimes I feel bad because, you know, here's a guy that really was at the, he was at the right place at the right time. I mean, you want to talk about a story about somebody who wanted to be a wrestler. He walks into a bar. I think it might have been in Florida in the 70s. And, and, he sees, and he sees Harley Race and he says, I, I want to be a wrestler. Race punches him in the face and throws him out. Are. You know what I mean? You know that yeah. he was in the right place at the right time, and, and he made millions. But if you watch today, people, you know, people have hard feelings because those WrestleManias they'll tell you that uh, Hogan's paycheck was bigger than the whole rosters, the whole roster. You know, his paycheck was bigger than than everybody combined. You know what I mean? So he made a lot of money. He made a ton of money. And just like everybody else in wrestling, they spent a lot of money. You know what I mean? And and things happen in their life that cost them a lot of money. And, and I'm sure he doesn't have the money he used to have. But a half a dozen posters aren't going to break them. No. You know what I mean? But if I'm ever there and he's there and you're there, I'll, people do that to me all the time. They're like, oh, my God. In the hotel lobby, like, oh my God, there's there's demolition. I go, I'm like, okay, you want to meet him? You want to meet Barry and Billy? Come on. I go, hey, big guys. Hey, Mario, you got the, yeah, I got the cheesecake, guys. I got it. I got it. Okay, I beat this guy for me. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, last time I saw Terry, I said, listen, I need a favor. He goes, what is it? Just tell me. You know what I mean? But unfortunately, and, and that's something I need to talk to him about because. The line was so big to get his autograph that the security is going, you got to move along here. I go, hey, I'm not done. He goes, well, you got to move along here. The line's really fat, really big. And I'm going, Terry, he goes, yeah, hurry up. What is it? What is it? What is it? They physically took me and walked me away from him. 
And I'm looking back going, and that's what I want to tell him. I go, I want to tell him that I'm pissed about that because not that I've ever had a line that big. I haven't, but there's been security. And if somebody's there too long, then they're going to say, you got to go, whether you're just the only person there because they start getting nervous that you're spending too much time. Yeah. So it, a, a friend from high school happened to be in the state I was in and he came and he saw me and, and he's, and they're like, there were three people behind them. And one of the organizers said, Mario, there's, and I said to him, get behind me. I won't be able to talk to you to your face, but talk to me in my ear and I'll talk to you. He could have done that and he did. That's what I'm hot about. You know, he watched those guys freaking grab. I'm like, are you serious? Are you throwing me out of here? Are you? And I was with Joe Bruin. And I'm like, I, and I told Joe, I go, oh, and I was so mad. I said, that big goof, son of a bitch, wait until I see him again. I said that. Uh, well, well, that's your next trip down here. Your next trip down. Yeah, it really, um, you know, uh, I talked to Eddie about it, but I, I don't know how close Eddie uh, Beefcake is with Hogan uh, anymore. I'm, I'm not sure, but I, I haven't asked them. But, um, you know, that's that's another guy. I mean, when you do these conventions and you see the your friends and you see the shape that they're in, it just it just breaks your heart, man. I, I mean, yeah. It just, and Maurice, what you need to do really is the best part about these conventions is the dinner after. And there's 10, 12 of us sitting around. It just never ends. And the stories start coming out and it, it just never ends. It never ends. I mean, it really is a good time. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you guys get booked for um, April next year over in the UK. The big well, one. I, I'm I, again. I got to talk to Roma. Roma's going. Roma's Paul Roma. Going. Paul Roma has been announced. Yeah, there's only been maybe right, three so, people announced or four. I right. call. I contact them every year, and I, I get a reply. You know, we got your number. We got your number. Arena, I, I I don't understand. There's there's not a lot of us left. You're you're no. an you're an iconic wrestler from that that era. Iconic. Nobody cares unless I can look good in a bikini. Okay, <laughs> that, that's all they. That's all they care about. Yeah, I can really, attend plane tickets tomorrow if I look. You, yeah, but even even <clears throat> even when there's there's talks, there's always talks since Bret Hart made a statement about Barry Horowitz, and Barry Horowitz yes. he, he does belong in the Hall of Fame. He does. He does belong in the Hall of Fame. But you know what? Your 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 name comes up. You ever go on Facebook to those? I join all those wrestling sites. I'm on every one of them. Old school stuff, and they're like, "Who's the top jobber?" You're always there. Always. They do job jo jobber of the day or old school jobber yeah. of the day. Uh, yeah, you're I've been on all of them. There. You're on all of them. All I've of been, them. Randy Hogan. I've been Randy when you Hogan. order something from Wish or something, you know, <laughs> picture yeah. Hogan, picture <laughs> or something like that. I, I just, yeah. You're you're on every single one of them. When that that category comes up, uh, you, you know what I mean. I, I'm not even on as many as he is. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the one name oh, that know. comes up constantly is the the Brooklyn Brawler. So, 
Um, but he's on more than me. Randy's on the they, they mention him more than they mention me. I'm you know easy I mean? to make fun of though. See, you were legit. I mean, I look pretty much the same as I did back then. So it's easy for them to look at me now, look at me back then. I still look the same. I still got the same name going on, the same semi-gimmick going on. So it's easy to poke at me. And luckily, I don't take it to heart. But Yeah, but brother, you have to remember something, man. Any human being that walks down that aisle and goes through those ropes and stands in that ring and works when that bell rings, you're never a joke, ever. ever. I agree. Never. I agree. Never. Because you can die in there. You could die in there. You can leave there in a wheelchair. And you know guys that have, and I know guys that have. Oh, yeah. It is no, that, that, that is no joke. God did not intend for us to use our bodies that way. Just didn't. And we did. It is no joke. Anybody who steps in that ring, trained, any trained, yeah. anybody who steps in that ring. It used to be that way. Remember when we got started, though? It was like, like magicians. It was like a very closed society. And you really had to at least, at very least, know somebody who knew somebody who knew somebody to introduce you or even to talk to somebody. Because you talk about kayfabe being alive, you know. Um, you Now, you know, every backyard, every street corner, uh, every parking lot, they got somebody in there, you know, guys. I don't get – now, we used to wear a singlet once in a while. I didn't, okay. Or trunks. But now, what's all these kids? All T-shirts, tennis shoes, you know. Now, if that's your gimmick, like when Cena started and was doing that thug thing, you know, that was different. But now, this is the norm. It's, it, I just, it's unbelievable. But I think a lot of guys look the same. A lot of guys look the same, don't they? Too similar. There's not enough backstory well, into them. Well, I use the term loosely, but they they all work the same too. They don't, you know. Yeah, I mean, they throw 117 super kicks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but don't you tell? I'm sure you spend time with your students on teaching them. Basically, a whole class should be just on how to sell. You know, the best seller I remember is Bobby Eaton. Now, you see guys now, they're getting punched in the head and punched in the head and punched in the head. Well, if you punch me in the head, ow, I'm going to grab my face, grab my something, you know. Now, when they do a, a clothesline or something, they'll come up and they'll hold their back or hold their shoulder like this. But yet somebody can supposedly punch them right in the jaw, right in the head, and they don't even flinch, you know. And that should be part of it. You know, sell every move. Don't just pick out, you know, one out of ten to sell. But, uh, again, it's just part of the art that is gone by the wayside. Oh, oh yeah. It's, it, you know, it, I, I just, that's why I don't watch it today. You know what I mean? It, it's like – how many guys, how many guys, it, it, when you were sitting in that dressing room, how many guys did you see coming to TV 
And then you never saw him again. A lot of them. Yeah. A lot of them. Yeah. I would say easily 75% of them through a, a, a span of a few years in that. That's right. And you know why, Maurice? Because they weren't even damn good enough in the ring to do jobs. See, the, the, the thing is, in order to do a job and do it correctly, you have to be a really good wrestler, <laughs> right? You have to be a really good wrestler in order to do that. You know, trustworthy. When, when, um, when Turner came in, bought it from Crockett, there was a whole different set of jobbers that were there. And I remember we had a meeting. I think it was Jim Hurd. Yeah. And they said, okay, guys, everything's starting from scratch right now. You know, this is, we're going to change a little bit. We're going to get more into wrestling and trying to get away from the hardcore jobs, which they never really did. But he said, we only want guys now that can work and you have to prove yourself. You're going to have to be able to get in there with a, uh, a Mike Rotunda or a, uh, uh, a Steve Kern or someone like that, as well as getting jobbed out by a Vader or a, Abdul the Butcher or something. You've got to swim in every pond. So you're going to have to know how to work. And part of that is knowing how to sell, but how to do simple reverses and stuff, you know? Not that you use it that much, but um, it was almost like an audition we had to do. And that's why a lot of the guys left, and me and George South and Italian Stanley and a couple of guys, you know, still stuck around, luckily. This, the, the, like what he the names just that came out of his mouth is like the Mount Rushmore of jobbers. I mean, it, they were the staples that everybody that they're all on those lists on those wrestling. When that that question comes up, who, who are the top jobbers? Yeah. You, the Italian Stallion, George South. Every time they mention, and again, Harwood should be in the Hall of Fame, but right after that, they mentioned George South. They mentioned yeah. George Smith too. George was the jobber's jobber. He's the one that when we first went up there, you know, he was there and we always watched him. He was always sitting in the corner reading his Bible. Always. So he, that's what he spent his time in the locker room in that. But he'd go out and we'd watch him and he'd work. And, and I said on our last show that uh, Flair used to request him, you know, let me have South. Or a guy named... Uh, the Greg Price was another one that uh, um, Flair went up to and says, "Come here, Price. I'm gonna make you look like a million bucks tonight." And but that was some of the old school mentality of some of those guys. But then there were guys that took liberties, and, and you hit on it last time with the uh, uh, with the, the nasties, especially with uh, knobs rather than sags. Well, my knobs was Vader. Vader, and you know what was so bad? It wasn't that they were just big and brutal because I worked the Road Warriors, Legion of Doom, whatever you want to call them, not long after they had gotten started, you know. They didn't know this stuff's fake yet. I mean, when they came down, it was like hitting you with a log or something. They didn't mean to. They just didn't know any better. Vader knew better. Now, his excuse was... Um, uh, well, he spent so much time over in Japan, and it's much more physical over there. It's totally different. So he came over here, you know, and some of these guys, not so much when we started, but 
the powder puff guys that oh it hurt or uh, complaining of, about the physicality in that that's why i said never complain never do never say nothing thank them be professional and move on and get another payday out of the deal okay but vader didn't care that was the difference some guys would hurt you and, and at least in the locker room if you got hurt somehow they'd either apologize or say hey you okay whatever else yeah. at least show acknowledge the fact that they kicked the shit out of you for real you yeah know? vader yeah. not a word yeah that and they don't care. They don't. They don't. They don't care. But but we do. We walk away from those guys. Yeah, have a no respect for them whatsoever. But you know, it's, it's funny. I had uh, I was in Birmingham, I think, Alabama, and I worked. Uh, I worked Abdullah, Abby, and uh, I didn't know what to expect. And Gary Hart was his manager at the time. So I'm taking my robe off and just turn around. Didn't know it's coming. So he's got some, I don't know what belt he had come over and smack me with a plate right in the back of the head, you know? Okay. So then he went on and did the job, beat me to death with a kendo stick. And, uh, so, but after the matches, of course, I had to go to find him, you know, being professional. And Abdul is a very well-spoken man. You know, nothing like his, uh, like his gimmick. So uh, he was smoking a cigar, had his feet up on a desk, and said, you okay? <laughs> wow, he acknowledged. I says, yeah. I said, but that was wrong. I said, yeah, but you beat me to death with that kindle stick. And he said, it's good for the business. And you know, I thought about that for years. And it was, because <laughs> we were outside the ring, and, and the, uh, um, you know, the barrier was right there. I mean, People weren't 10 feet away, you know. How's he not going to whack me with that stick and everything? And uh, but it's good for the business. And I thought about that. Why would he say that? Why would he say that? It really was. That was old school, you know. And, you know, we got paid good. I mean, you know, when you're used to working either for free or 25 or 50 bucks a night, and all of a sudden you're getting a couple, three, four hundred dollars a night or something. You know, and you're a young kid and single, and all you want to do is buy a couple of beers afterwards. That was really good. So I always figured I got paid to get beat up. That was my job to get beat up and not to bitch about it. If I didn't want to do it, if I didn't want to get hit or hurt or whatever else, then I can do something else. I could buy a ticket and be a fan again. But, uh, but that was one of the stiff guys that did it because it's good for the business. Yep. How profound that was, you know. Yeah, yeah. I I had this the the same the same experience. Terry Funk had thrown me out of the ring, and um, he went to go pick me up to hit me, and the damn cameraman goes, the camera in our face. He hauled off, and he just clocked me. Boom! Hit me back. Boom! I clocked him back. Oh. I went back to the dressing room. I go, Mr. Funk. He goes, Terry. I said, never. Him and Harley Race were the only two guys I ever did that with. I said, Mr. Race, we're working together. Harley, I go, uh-uh. So I said, Mr. Funk. Uh, uh, he goes, Terry. I go, no. <laughs> no. I go, I'm, I'm so sorry. He goes, kid, listen to me. We had no choice. He goes, the jabroni came right in our face. He came right up to us. We were outside the ring. I had to, I had to hit you. I had to hit you. What was I going to do? 
He goes, you understand that, right? I go, yes, sir. I understand. You know, so it, back then, you know, when guys like Harley Race spoke or Terry Funk, um, you know, just it was like coming from a, 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 a burning bush. Um, yeah, it's all script. Yeah, yeah. No, listen. Yeah. Here's the deal. How apples and oranges. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Again, I, I've said it a million times that even on a house show, um, Iron Mike Sharp had the leather thing on his farm. And I'd be working with him in a house show going 16 minutes. And I'd look at him and go, Mike. He'd go, yeah. That's it. You go out there and wrestle. That's it. You called everything out there. You called everything out there. Everything. That's all you needed to know was the time and the finish. Yeah. Not, not now. And you didn't worry about that because the referee usually clued you into that, you know, take it home or whatever. Well, yeah, he let you know. He peek in twelve minutes gone. You know, he 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 peek in, not a problem. You know what I mean? T today, it's good. From what I understand, with the WWE is if you go off script, you're in a lot of trouble. You're in a lot, a lot of trouble. Yeah. So it, you know, it, it's 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 such a different business today that. I, I wouldn't want to, and I, I'm teaching those guys, but me personally, and, and they're used to today's wrestling and the, their dream is today's wrestling. I, it just wouldn't be for me. I just wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. I just, I, I wouldn't. Okay. Now take yourself back. Okay. You don't know what you know today. Okay. Would you get in it? If you were that 18 year old kid again, would you look at it differently? Not oh, having I've, the knowledge that you have now. Oh, I, I've, I've said it before, and I, I said it again. If we go back, if we went back to 84, July 31st to 84, with my first day in the dressing room, and I have the memory I have right now, but I'm back then, and I go, are things going to be different? And they go, you know what? Everything's going to happen exactly the same way. It's going to be duplicate of what happened before. You're going to go through the exact same thing. I go, who am I working with? <laughs> <laughs> who am I working with? <laughs> uh, I didn't care. No, no, because let me tell you something. There's the entertainment business and then there's the wrestling business. I broke into the wrestling business, the wrestling, wrestling, you know what I mean? Where, where, you know, it, it's funny because Joe Bruin went to go see Bret Hart and there's only three of these pictures that exist. And Joe Bruin has one and he got it from Steve Taylor, who used to be the photographer for the WWF back in the day. And it's the Heart Foundation giving me a double elbow. And I'm I'm ready to take the bump. You know what I mean? I already got one foot in the air, ready to go back. And there's only three of those that I, Brett never saw it. So Brett sees it. He goes, wow, I, I've never seen that before. And, and Joe goes, yeah, I got, I got it from Steve Taylor. And Brett goes, Mario Mancini. And he goes, yeah. He goes, how's Mario? Do you talk to him? He's like, yeah. He goes, give my regards when you talk to him. He goes, 
This is what he said. He goes, you know, those guys, if you threw them, some of them, when you threw them off the ropes, you didn't know it was coming back at you sometimes. He goes, but Mario, I liked working with him because you, you, you knew what you were going to get all the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's me and that's you. They knew what they were getting in Randy Hogan all the time, all the time. You know what I mean? They knew what they were getting with the Italian Stallion. They knew where they were getting with George South. We, 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 the Jose Luis Rivera, the SD Jones, the Barry Horowitz. And that's why I mentioned there were so many guys there. There's, there are guys out there with their grandkid on their lap and they go, you were a wrestler. You go, yeah, can I see? And they show a match on YouTube and they go, I want to see another one. And they go, it's the only one I got. Mm-hmm. Because they were there once and they never came back. We we were were there for years. Years. Why? Because brother, we were that good. And we did what we were told. We were professional. Yeah. Professional. Oh, yeah. In the yeah. ring out of the ring. Okay, you know what else? Oh, this really pisses me off. When we used to go to the matches, okay, when I first started. You dressed up. I remember Steve Regal, uh, Steve Austin at the time, uh, Terry Taylor, always sport coat suit. Now you might see Flair or somebody dressed up, you know. But you always either had to wear a sport coat or something. You didn't come in there with a, a, a Metallica T-shirt and some cut-off shorts and, and mismatched shoes and one sock or something. We looked professional from the time we got out of the car Till we got back down into the car to go that's home. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. It don't happen no more though. And I think that's showing respect not only for the fans, but for the promotion, for the promoters in that. You know, you think enough of them to wear your Sunday best. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, Randy, I don't know about you, but I, I, I considered myself back then. I considered myself a professional athlete. You know what I mean? And and yeah. But, you know, because not many people can do what we do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, not everybody can do it. You, you, you either have it or you don't. You know what I mean? You either got it or you don't. Yeah. And, and you know what? They're, like I say to the students, listen, a lot of you will be career independent pro wrestlers, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. If you love the business, if you love wrestling, there's nothing wrong with that. But we made it to the show. We were in the show at any level, and there's guys that came there and were never returned. They weren't even good enough to job out. Yeah. So we we were there. We can say we were there. You know what I mean? We 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 weren't career independent pro wrestlers. You know, we were with the two the two biggest organizations in wrestling. You know, sure. going going head to head all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you know, if nothing else, because I think there were more opportunities back in our day than today. Oh, you had all the territories, you had all kinds of different TV, different markets, everything else, people going back and forth, whole different way. Yeah. But even my uh, instructor, Pedro said we were talking about doing it for a living or whatever, because him and his brother did for many years. But he said, you know, he said, there's nothing wrong he said, everybody's not going to make it. He said, there's nothing wrong in doing this because you enjoy it. 
and using it like a part-time job. Take your weekends, make you an extra couple, $300, make you a car payment every month, doing what you love, you know? Yeah. So, but there's just, like I said, there were so many opportunities back there, but you still had to prove yourself. You still had to know somebody. And you still had to know the business and you had to know your company and their do's and their don'ts. And you needed to know the the office and how they thought or what they liked and what they didn't like and what would be tr trouble and keep you out of trouble. You had to have that awareness too. And it, you know, if it, it's just like the guys that were smoking after the first hour of TV was over and all of a sudden you wouldn't see a cigarette in a place because between TV takings, tapings, Vince would come to the dressing room and just like smoking in the boys' room, they all they all put Vince hated cigarette smoke. So that you know, while he was out there during the taping, everybody smoked like a stack. The minute the TV taping was open, boom, it's anymore because you don't want to get a heat with them, you know, for smoking, you know. Wow. So guys, guys, can we talk about this weekend and what's going down? Just as I kind of wrap things up here for the evening, um. About the convention, are you two guys meeting up? What's going down? I, I am headed to Maine on Wednesday. I, start, I talked to Scott Wilder. He he understood uh, because of the situation um, with my daughter. He actually he actually wanted to come up with me. <laughs> it's oh. that it's it, yeah it's it's not a good situation. So um, he's like, listen, Mario, I completely understand. I I, I completely understand. Um, and I did say, you know, do what you can in the future to get Randy and I together. Please make, make sure you book them on the next one. I don't care where it is. I'll drive or I'll fly. I don't care where it is. I, I just want to do, yeah, I want to do a convention with them. Um, so I don't know who the big name is at, at this. I know Barry and Billy had family commitments. So I know Demolition's not going to be there. Um, I know Tugboat's going to be there. Uh I, I don't know. Um, I really don't know. I don't really know the lineup. I really hope they get a good showing because, again, as far as Paradise Alley Pro Wrestling goes, Paul is, Roma is going to run because I'll be in Maine. He's running Unchained, the Hercules Hernandez um, tournament uh, show on Saturday. Uh, he was supposed to be in North Carolina, but it, it, it's so very dangerous to run a show on Thanksgiving weekend, whether it's a convention or a wrestling show, because yeah. it, it's a holiday weekend. And, um, you know, you, you, that's why we don't run a show in December. We have in the past historically wrestling shows in December just do horrible, you know, and, and especially with the economy now. People are definitely need to spend their money somewhere else. You know what I mean? That's, you know. Yeah. You know that. Listen, I don't bullshit. Like before, Scott Wilder got a hold of me. Randy will love this story. <laughs> Bruin calls me up in 2013 and asks me to do a convention. And he goes, "You ever do one of these before?" I go, "I go no." I go, "I don't want to do it." He goes, "Why? People want to see you." I go, "No, they don't." He goes, "Mario, you're so wrong. People want to see you." I go, "I don't want to do it. I'm not doing it." He goes, I want a reason why you won't do it. I go, because if I go there and sit there for seven hours and I sign three autographs, I'm going to be crushed. And I'm going to tell you I was nothing in this business. And it was just proven. He goes, it's never going to happen. 
which knock on wood, it didn't happen. The first person who I got my eight by tens out and I'm sitting at my table and a fan comes up and he goes, Mario Mancini. Oh my God. Every Saturday morning, blah, 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 blah. Right. He goes, Hey, how much for an autographed picture? And I go, five bucks. And he goes, Oh, great. And he throws out a five. I autographed the piece. So now Scott Wilder gets a hold of me. And he goes, so yeah, anyway, when you were doing this stuff for brewing, how much, how much were you getting for an autograph? I go, five bucks. He goes, what? He goes, are you out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? So now I'm doing conventions with Scott Wilder. <clears throat> He's getting 20 bucks a pop and 30 bucks for a combo. And they're paying it. So I say to him, and, he, and listen to what I did, Randy. Scott goes, Mario, are you sure you want to do this? I went, yep. He goes, Mario, you might be going too far. Are you sure you want to do this? I go, yep. Yeah. So I go, you got a blue mat? He goes, yeah, I have a blue mat. Comes every convention. So for $40 photo op, I will do a job for you. The blue <laughs> mat goes on the floor. You get to cover me. You look up while they're taking the picture. You know, while you're covering me for a forty dollar photo op, you I'll do a job for you. And he's like Mario. I'm like Scott. What was I? What what was I over? I mean, that's what I did. Why do you think it's shameful for what I'm doing? That's what I'm known for. I'm just doing what I did. He goes, well, that's a hell of an attitude to have, man. You sure you want to do this? I go, yeah. We've sold a couple, not a lot, but we we sold a couple. That's the, great. The, the video, if you want to take a video, that's 60. If you want to take a video <laughs> of it, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, one of the things that'll kill you real quick in this business is ego. It'll, it'll kill you quick. So when you have none, you survive a long time in this business. When you're humble, prof professional, thankful. You know, you you, totally last, agree. you last a long time in this business, so you you got you got to be humble. And there's no egos in this building, gentlemen. Thanks you so much for your time tonight. Uh, what? We what? Be You're catching us up again. again? <laughs> We're cutting it off again. Well, Randy, you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta understand one thing. He might he might not be telling us. He's really got to screw, and he's really got to go if the kids wake up. He's got to go immediately. Because <laughs> <laughs> it always means danger. Yeah, yeah. Maurice, Maurice, again, thank you so much. It's so good. To, I'm so glad that we've always kept in touch all this time. Yeah. Mario, uh, you're my heart now, brother. Uh, brother, it's been a pleasure, man. Wait. we got to keep in touch. Other than just yeah, absolutely. We're on. We're on. We'll keep talking. Yeah, we'll keep talking. And and really, uh, we'll, we'll be uh, we'll be uh, thinking of you this weekend. Well, yeah, I appreciate it. Um, and 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 let Scott book whatever Scott books next. He's gonna book the both of us on it, and we'll be there. Mm -hmm. We'll be there. I'm packed. I'm not even yeah. unpacking. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, man. Thanks, guys. Take care. You too. All right, man. Bye bye.